There we go. Happy Halloween. Happy holidays. It must be World Series time because the veins are pumped with baseball. We have a fascinating matchup between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. Can Bryce Harper win his World Series cementing? His legacy is Schwarber on his way to another title in a major city. Can Houston win one for Dusty? Can they get that black cloud off of their heads? We're going to find all that in this very fascinating World Series here in 2022. And I have the honor, the pleasure to be with my co-host over at the Sports Cubicle, one of my best buddies, one of the best in the industries from the Baseball Weekend Journal. Join us here on Sports from the Couch, on the Sports Cubicle, on Baseball Weekend Journal. It is Pauly Shavari. Pauly, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. I can't believe it's like been seven years or so of us doing this type of thing it's really crazy and to see all the different types of champions and i am your host mike mercado one of your co-hosts for all these other great platforms that we're able to talk about this entire season and now that we got to this point you know there was a lot of twists and turns and once again the nl east is producing a surprise national league champion and a potential world series winner i think houston in this matchup has really shown what their front office has really been about and how they've really made adjustments and how Dusty has been able to main and steer this ship throughout this entire controversy. And I am fascinated to see how this plays out. But on the field, you have a veteran lead staff, the first two guys over in Philadelphia and that well-oiled machine in Houston. I, I, I'm just, wh where are you when you got to this point? Like, did you... When you saw San Diego, when you saw the Dodgers, when you saw the Mets, you've seen, and obviously Houston being one of the favorites, being able to get through some of these powerhouses. How did you feel when we finally got to this matchup? Well, I thought the Phillies were, were for real after they beat the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. We thought the Cardinals, maybe this was a year of magic, but I think they needed a lot of favors to get past the Phillies. Clearly, the, the, the Phillies were the better team, clearly. But when it got to the Braves, you saw the clutch hitting really take take shape. You saw... What the magic that happened in game one of the wild card round where they were able to come back with six runs in the ninth inning to beat the Cardinals, you saw that magic happen in multiple games. You saw an inside the park home run by JT Real Muto. Uh, you saw the Braves, you know, it wasn't like a championship hangover with the Braves either. This was a Phillies team that really earned that victory. And then, of course, on the other side, the Padres getting to where they were. I think taking taking advantage of a Dodgers team that beat up on them all year and was a little bit decimated in the pitching department. So the Padres and Phillies matched up very well against each other. I thought that series was going to go a little bit longer than five games, but I did think the Phillies were the better team. They proved it. It's on paper. Now, this is going to be the toughest challenge that the Phillies have faced. As for Houston, I don't think we've seen enough of the Astros so far to even know if they faced a tougher challenge yet. How fascinating, how interesting, how captivating. All these different adjectives that we use that that NL East was murderous row this year. Mm -hmm. Think about the disappointment that came from a Mets organization. They won, what, 100 and something games? Yeah. The Braves put it all together, again, even through injuries. One of the best, probably the best team in the National League, at least going into the playoffs, right there with the Dodgers. Dodgers will be another story when we talk about the offseason. But, but lurking right behind them the whole time, which, I mean, in my season preview, I, I said they were good. I thought their pitching would eventually taper off, but I still had the Phillies making my final six in the prediction for the end of the season. I think there's so much that goes into this specific World Series because of the potential the potential legacy stuff. And we're going to get to all that in a little bit. But I think just setting the 
the the table for what this World Series means for these two organizations, two different roads taken to get here. And I think that's what makes this so so awesome, so compelling. And it, it, is, it is helpful that it is two major markets and two interesting teams. It is Houston. It, it is a team that's trying to be a destiny. And we talked about destiny all these seven years we've been doing it. Seeing a lot of teams come and go, rebuild, trying to get back to where they are. Trying, you know, this is a team that actually has done the thing. And they, the Dodgers had their opportunity. And I think now is Houston's opportunity to really solidify themselves of this, this era of baseball if they're able to win this championship. What it means for Bryce Harper. But that's, that's the table. That's the script. That is what we are giving the synopsis of this. But, Paulie, something that you're able to do, you have the eye on, and something that I think is such a tool for for baseball lovers that listen to the sports cubicle, sports from the couch, the Baseball Weekend Journal, is your eye for detail and some of the nuance that's going to happen. Let's get on the diamond. Let's talk about what's actually going to happen between these two teams. What do you think is the X factor, knowing that Houston's the favorite, knowing that there are some interesting dynamics that the Phillies bring with some of their – the Phillies have the best player on the, in this series when he's on. So they have that going for them. If Bryce Harper is right, he's the best player on the diamond. You could Whatever pitcher you want to throw out there, it doesn't matter. He's, he's the A guy, right? So one has the best team, one has the best player. How, does this, how do we start breaking this down? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be the home run and how the Phillies really kind of depended on it in the NLCS. And even though overall in the playoffs, about 44% of their runs have come via the home run, you know, and that's including runs batted in on the home run, that sort of thing. But, but the Phillies are a very home run friendly team. They play in the, according to StatCast, the fifth most home run friendly ballpark in the whole league. When it gets back to Citizens Bank ballpark, we'll see if those temperatures are in favor of them. I mean, we're expecting 60s during the day, maybe 40s at night. And that really depends on, we're a few days away before we get to games three and games four in Philadelphia, but but how that's going to be a factor and just what they can do in Minute Maid Ballpark. The, the roof is going to be closed, so there won't be any excuses like uh, the Yankees had about uh, Aaron Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge, uh, that home run not going out or that deep fly ball not going out. Um, but I think the seven, eight, nine hitters are going to be key for both teams. Uh, so far in this postseason, Houston's seven through nine hitters are 167 in, in the whole uh, grand scheme of things, batting six for 36, 167, five RBIs, at least in the, the NLCS, I should say. In the, uh, I'm sorry, in the ALCS. In the NLCS, the Phillies batted 178 for 47, uh, five RBI as well. Um, you know, so I think seven, eight, and nine hitters are going to play a big factor in this one going forward. So really fast, how how, which team do you think could take advantage of that? When you see something like that in the bottom of the lineup and how it was in such a big stage, how would, do you think it's more the Phillies have an advantage of being able to get right? Is it more of a, a Houston team? How, how can a team take advantage of that in this World Series? I, well, I think it depends on who's catching for Houston. Um, you would think that uh, Christian Vasquez is more productive than Martin Maldonado, but we've seen more production out of Maldonado this year than we saw last year. Um, you know, and, and it's no slight to Maldonado. He's a great defensive catcher, but offense is just really not his style, but he's been contributing. Um, but as far as Philly's production, you know, I say the seven, eight, and nine hitters, and a lot of it has come from Alec Bohm. Um, but if you take out uh, Gene Segura out of the seven, eight, nine hitters, so uh, production from Philly's hitters that are not named Schwarber, Hoskins, Real Muto, Harper, Castellanos, or Segura, you're talking about 15 RBI out of 57. That's only 26.3%. 
that's not great, but at the same time, that's only, you know, less than a third of their lineup anyway, or about a quarter of their lineup. So I guess maybe it's about right. But they're only batting 196. Uh, and Bohm is probably the majority of that production. So I, I think if the Phillies are going to win this series, they're going to have to find production not by the home run and production from the guys that aren't the star, you know, big-name veteran players that they have on this team. And they're going to have to find it pitching-wise, not from Nola and Wheeler. Of course, they're going to need all of the standard guys to be able to replicate what they do on a normal basis, but you're going to have to have the Ranger Suarez's or the... Um, you know, the uh, Noah Syndergaards, the Zach uh, Eflins really step up in those mid-relief or or starting roles. So I think it's funny all these years that we have done this and we've seen the evolution of baseball. We talk about offense and, and what it means and then the three outcomes. And then now we're seeing how pitching has kind of played into that. When you watch this series develop, when you've seen the, the way these two teams have taken their path to the World Series, do you feel that this is going to be a high scoring, a lot of runs being scored in bulks, or is this going to be a very, very contentious, very tight, very long bullpens? And obviously we've seen it throughout the years, again, the development of how important the bullpens are and shutting down these teams, the matchups, how fast these these pitches are, how strong these arms are. So when you're when you're looking at these numbers and you've, you've scouted these teams this entire season, how do you think this series – looks when we're when we're looking at the the box score when we're when we're filling out our sheets we're i i have a feeling that there's going to be a game or two that it's going to be one of those offensive explode but i think this is going to be a hold on to something you're going to see a lot of one twos i I agree totally with you especially since you've got nola versus verlander going in game one uh despite the fact that verlander has been terrible in the world series traditionally seven starts oh and six 568 ERA. That's 24 earned runs and 38 innings pitched. Um, and, and then the the home runs over nine innings jumps for him. It's 2.1 in his career, whereas he had a 1.3 in his championship series in 12 games or uh, 0.8 in his uh, divisional series. So when the pressure's on, Verlander struggles. His best out- outing was game two of the 2017 World Series, which was decided in extra innings anyway out at Dodger Stadium. So, so I mean, that's going to be a big factor is if, if Verlander is on, if it's the Justin Verlander that we know and not the Justin Verlander that only uh, is disastrous in the World Series, that's going to be a huge factor. That's going to keep the score low. Houston starting pitchers don't give up a lot of home runs as it is. Um, in 90, uh, 950 innings pitched this year, only 98 home runs given up by Houston starting pitchers. In the postseason, two home runs over 39 innings pitched. In the postseason, all collectively, Five home runs over 72 innings pitched. And like I said, it was the the Phillies are kind of dependent on the home run with, uh, you know, so much so much of their um, runs coming via the home run, 44%. That's going to be a big factor. If the, if the starting pitching, especially for Houston, can keep the Phillies off the board via the home run, expect those low scores. But then I think when we get to games three and four, you're going to see it's it's I'm assuming Wheeler's going to be going yeah. in game two yeah. for Philly. And I'm assuming it's probably going to be Fromber Valdez going in game two for Houston. So I think once you come back to Philadelphia and you've got maybe Luis Garcia, uh, you know, may- maybe Dusty gets a little bit creative with his bullpen usage. Maybe Philadelphia is going to have to start relying on the Rangers, Suarez, Zach, Zach Eflin, Kyle Gibson. What's neat is they have four different pitchers that they can use in those games that have been used in this postseason in relieving roles. So 
this is where Rob Thompson's going to have to get really creative. And I think when we get back to Philadelphia, expect those to be the higher scoring games. So I think you bring in a Philadelphia, and we talked about Houston having the roof close and the, how the weather's going to be. Philadelphia, the, we're, we know it's going to be cold here. So I wonder how that's going to impact those games moving forward in the East Coast, how the ball is going to feel coming off the bat, how those arms, those hamstrings, like we're going to see a tale of two different teams of cities when you go from, you know, it's like watching an NFC team and an AFC team. You know, you're watching the Rams at home in an NFC championship game. And you're going to watch the Bills. You're like, oh, it's two, you're in two different atmospheres. So I, I, I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out when it comes to how the ball is jumping off of the, the bat in the two stadiums. So I know we're a few days away, but the, the Philadelphia weather, you know, like I was saying, it's, you know, daytime, probably approaching 70, but nighttime, not too low. I mean, it's um, assuming the showers stay away, which it's predicted for Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, uh, Monday night going into Tuesday, you're talking about lows that are probably going to be sitting around the 60s, uh, high 50s. So this isn't like the 2008 World Series that got delayed by so many days because of torrential downpours yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah. And this isn't typical Philadelphia November weather. So if the weather can hold up, I know we're a few days out, you know, there could be a cold front that comes in. I'm not a meteorologist, but we might actually get decent weather in Philadelphia, which is kind of a surprise considering how much the baseball gods like to uh, really toy with uh, Major League Baseball when they try to cheat the uh, Mother Nature like this. So before we get to Paulie's breakdown of how the series is actually going to go down, I have one last thing. We were, this past week on Thursday, we were with our mentor, our good friend, Jerry Riles. He does a Bears post-game show, a recap show over at Dee's Place in Glenview. And he, we had a great time. The Marvelous One, Dan Marvel, was with us. Devin Single. Hopefully we get Polly up there next time to see all our ugly mugs on camera. But we'll have a link up through that and all our socials. It was a great time. We were bringing up, I brought up the Tom Brady thing of it's not normal for these dudes at this age to be good. There's exceptions to the rules. They are it. Justin Verlander is one of those rare dudes. Mm -hmm. How is he still doing it to this level? I know he struggles in his World Series numbers, but everything leading up to it, he's a unicorn in that sport and still doing magical stuff. Where, I mean, where's what does this mean for him? We talk about legacy for Bryce Harper, what it would mean for Cassianos and just so many, Dusty and just so many different stories and the organizations, but what would it mean for Verlander to win this World Series? Especially if he contributes, because keep in mind, he does have hardware in his arsenal from the 2017 World but this, Series. This, yeah, this but, is but the, this will be the, the one, redemption. This, this is the one where I thought, okay, so if he wins the World Series, and let's say game one, he gives a lights-out performance, just Hall of Fame-worthy performance, what cap is he wearing in Cooperstown? Is it's it a, a Houston one. Yeah, I it's think a the, Houston yeah, one? now at this point. I, I think at this point it probably is, but I think this well, is the series that would solidify yeah, it. Yeah. And this is the series for Dusty where it's like you're finally going to get yours. All you have to do is just manage this correctly. It's interesting that there's this is maybe the one dude who is able to be likable enough to be like, yeah, I kind of want to see him win a World Series, even though he's managing the Houston Astros. Yeah. He's maybe the one guy in the sport where you're like, yeah, no, he's got enough good vibes where you're rooting for it to be Dusty to finally be able to win one. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm on the, the, the recap show that we did, I thought it was going to be the Astros and six. I think you brought it up. The Phillies rely so much on the home run ball, and there's so much pressure on Bryce Harper. Look, at it could be a magical run. We could be talking back here, and there's 17 highlights of Harper just having that beautiful swing, 
crushing it in into the trains. Not and to mention how Schwarber's been. We hitting already the know ball. that's gonna happen. Hoskins been. Hit, has I'm gonna been, say this. We know Schwarber's gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Like we already know. We don't have to, like Schwarber's gonna get his in this series. Whether he's the, the gonna carry the team or we know there's gonna be moments where like yeah that's a Schwarber moment. But there's so much pressure on the on Nola Wheeler and on Harper. That's like that triangle has all the pressure in the world. Absolutely. And for Houston, it's more of a combined. It's Altuve has the most pressure has on him most... just because he's struggled so much. But I honestly think that even though they're the favorite and there's pressure on being the favorite, they're probably like, let's just, you know, screw it. Let's like, let's show it to the people. Let's just do it. Let's, let's prove, okay, you don't want us to win it. Guess what we're about to do? And the most pressure is probably on Dusty just because this is probably the the easiest chance that he's gotten going into a series. I mean, I know maybe hindsight in 2002, the Angels were supposed to be an easier team, um, which funny stat about that. um, Phillies are the eighth team in the wildcard era to reach the World Series in a season where they snapped a 10 plus year postseason drought. Okay, of the previous seven, only one won at all. The 2002 Angels who beat Dusty Baker and they had a 15 year drought. Um, but the disparity of uh, managerial experience between the two managers in a World Series, this is the fifth most. Dusty has managed 3,884 regular season games. Rob Thompson has managed 111. This is the least amount of regular season games managed by a manager in the World Series for Rob Thompson, and if he wins it all, it'll be the most all-time by a manager that won it all. All right, Paulie, let's do it. How does the 20... 22 World Series go down between your National League champions, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the American League champion, Houston Astros. I think game one goes to the Astros. I think best chance for the Phillies to steal a game is game two. I think games three and four go to the Astros. Mike, I've never predicted a sweep ever in my life, and I think this one's going to be a sweep. Wow. Tell me how this sweep goes down. Why does a sweep go down? We know it's hard to beat a team four straight times. Three straight times, let alone four straight times. But how does Houston stamp their way of being the team of this era? How do they get this sweep and solidify themselves as one of the best teams of most generations in this long tradition sport? I think they're battle-tested. You know, they've beaten Garrett Cole. They've beaten Luis Castillo to get here. But, but I think with this, you know... Yeah, sure, Nola and, and uh, Wheeler are great pitchers, but Wheeler doesn't get deep into games too much. It's probably going to be a dependence in the bullpen on, you know, Jose Alivardo, Sir Anthony Dominguez, David Robertson. These aren't really household closers here. And, and I know they have Ranger Suarez, who has closing experience, but w- when you look at these bullpens, and they're well-rested, but the bullpen, advantage Astros. Starting pitching, advantage Astros. Hitting. Advantage Astros. And I think if you can take away the home run from Philadelphia, if you can get those two starting pitchers out of the game really quickly and make Rob Thompson have to go to his bullpen early in the series, it's all Astros. I have this series going six. I think Houston just overwhelms the Philadelphia Phillies. I do think there is some magic in this team. I'm sure that there were plenty of uh, pundits and radio jockeys and hacks that have talked about these type of series and have been completely wrong and this thing has been turned on its head, but I just I've seen what Houston can do in this these these specific situations. I have not seen what these some of these big pressured high time paid players in Philadelphia are gonna do there. And there's so much pressure in that city. Whether you whether it's something you can actually like 
hold on to or actually scientifically talk about what's going on with the Eagles and the Phillies in that se- in that uh, city, even the Sixers. There's so much sports anxiety and hype and pressure that it's going to be palpable when they get to that stadium. When you see that crowd wearing all white or red and that Liberty Bell uh, neon light is going crazy, like it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome in Houston. Who's going to get up and live up to that moment? I've seen the Astros do it. I'm rooting for Dusty. I wish it was any other team but the Astros, but I think there is, there has to be a team of their era. Somebody has to finally kind of, this new era of Moneyball, this team that we've seen the Royals and the Cubs and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, and somebody has to be the king of these teams. And I think the Astros finally stamped themselves and we'll all have to bend the knee to the Astros and I think they win it in six games. How many games it goes for you? A sweep? Four, yeah, sweep. So we I, I think, I mean, four. look at the body language, too, of these teams. You know, I think with, you know, Harper, he's kind of all wide-eyed. You know, some of those Phillies guys yeah. just really excited. You can see it. With the Astros, yeah. it's just it's just another October. Dusty looks cool as a cucumber the yeah. whole time. And, and I think he's going to be the oldest manager ever to manage a World Series game on Friday night. It's That's kind of cool. Yeah, and, and, and as the series, it's Dusty. Series, it's Dusty, yeah. you know, and it's like I think he's going to finally get his. At my MVP, I got Alex Bregman. Okay. Uh, just going with I did, uh, what I did uh, three years ago on your show yeah, when yeah. I predicted this exact World Series matchup at the beginning of the year. Didn't happen. Uh, got one of the teams, right? Got one of the teams horribly wrong. So who's going to win the World Series uh, next year so we know three years from oh, now? Oh, geez, yeah. right? Uh, just say the Cubs. Um, <laughs> just uh, say the Padres. Cubs no, Padres. Right, Padres. Because right. it didn't dawn on me. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, oh, Juan Soto's going to be a free agent. Then I looked at it. I was like, no. no he's he's got another yeah, year. So does Josh yeah. Gator. So it's going to be a dis- – and they're going to yeah. have Tatis coming back. Yeah. So it's going to be like All right, a you disgustingly good team. But Bregman posted identical slash lines in the DS and the CS. 333, 375, 600. I think he's going to be – it here here's a weird thing who do you think is going to get us our free taco from stealing a base oh i'm gonna get altuve okay yeah then he's got to get on base though yeah i mean so kyle tucker is the astros big stolen base guy and that was the guy that i picked especially because um uh noah Syndergaard is is uh tragically bad against uh defending base runners uh aaron nola as well um but here here's someone that's an x-factor stealing bases No, who do you think is leading everyone in the postseason? Out of everyone in the postseason, who's leading in stolen bases It's got to be somebody right weird. Now? So is this Schwarber? Yeah. Okay. And okay. here's the crazy thing. I can see that, though. He's had 11 attempts this year, 10 stolen bases. That's career highs in both categories okay, for him. And he has two stolen bases this, this I postseason. I like Schwarber, too, man. So, so I think if it's gonna if it's not going to be someone on the Astros, which I say Tucker off of Syndergaard or Nola, I think it's going to be Schwarber off of Luis Garcia or Framber Valdez. Looking game two, Schwarber off Valdez is probably going to be our taco. I love that. I think uh, Verlander, if they're going to win this, I know you could say Bregman. Obviously, that's that's a favorite. But I think if it, this magical season, this, this again, this solidifying yourself of, of crowning yourself the king, like how, it, the story of writing itself, this dude wins two games, shut down, and – yeah, Verlander's your World Series MVP. Watch it be something dumb by like, like Matt Verlander. Oh, that's exactly what it's going to be. be but, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it's going to be. But are you excited about the World Series, even though you think it's going to be a sweep? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and and even though I don't have much hope for the Phillies, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them. I kind of want to see they've been excited and clutch all throughout October. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it's it's the best four games in, in the whole season. So, and hopefully we'll get seven. And I hope it, I, like, I love a game seven. So I really want it to get there. So we'll have a chance to break down the actual games this coming up Sunday on the Sports Cubicle. Paulie will be in studio to give you his thoughts of what he saw in the first two games of the World Series. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about 
what's going to break down in those two games. One quick thing. Uh, first time since 1950, no African-American players in the series. That's sad. But we got Dusty. But we got Dusty. That's sad in its own right. But, it, you know, it was what I was mentioning about Dusty. It's like he's so connected to history, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool it's, to see him finally win one. Like, he's part of so many baseball memories, good and bad. They're like, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that, again, he's part of another one. And if he wins one, like... Yeah, he just give him. Well, and there's moment. an influx of young African American yeah. talent that's yeah. up and coming in Major League Baseball. So, so it's it's not the the death of the African American yeah. ball player. Shouldn't hopefully, be. hopefully it will revive interest yeah. uh, amongst African Americans to play baseball. Something that we'll keep an eye on over the years, as we've done this for seven years, and we continue it on the sports cubicle, sports from the couch, and of course the baseball weekend journal. So, Paula, you'll be breaking it down on the sports cubicle of WCPT eight twenty a.m. 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. If you can't do it live, make sure you're checking us out on all the podcast platforms. Paulie will be doing a baseball weekend journal that you will be able to enjoy a few games into the series. So we'll be looking out for that as you're breaking out throughout these entire next week, two weeks of our last baseball of the year. And then, of course, make sure you're staying with us wherever you get your favorite podcast at Mercado Airwaves, at Baseball Weekend Journal, and, of course, at WCPT 820 AM. Paulie, where can uh, people find you on socials? Uh, at Paul Shavari, P-A-U-L-C-H-I-V-A-R-I, at Baseball Weekend. I'm on Twitter at Mike and Media, Instagram, Mike Mercado Media, Sports Cubicle is on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV, and Sports from the Couch is on Twitter at Couch Sports Talk. Paulie, can't wait to break down after the World Series, the offseason, how it all broke down, and how Chicago is impacted, not only but what we see in this series, but what we see in baseball moving forward. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to see what I got wrong, because if you remember in our playoff preview, I had the Phillies dead last in my power rankings. But at the same time, way different Phillies team going into the postseason. Hey, do you know what the last regular season series was for each of these teams? Was it Chicago team? It was each other. No way! Yeah. I knew it was in Chicago. Aaron Nola went like perfect through like six or seven innings in the first game to help the Phillies wow. clinch their spot. The last two games didn't really matter, but Verlander had an amazing game on that Wednesday or the Tuesday of that three game set. And then Wednesday was That's... a wash, but Houston took two out of the three. The only game that really mattered was that first one that Philadelphia was fighting to get into the playoffs. And that's obviously never happened because of interleague play, right? I so think so, yeah. Are, yeah. Are How interesting, interesting is that, yeah. though? So, so it's hard to go back and watch those games to analyze it because it was really, it didn't matter by, by the second game of the three-game set. He's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Enjoy the World Series. We'll see you next time.